and welcome to the 13th episode of the Yanks Go Marching Podcast. Did you know that it's just three days until our very first World Cup match and one week until the U.S.'s first World Cup match? <laughs> Coming to you as we always do, but this time from the southwestern corner of Connecticut to Rocky Mountain High, Colorado. I am Pat McDonald, and with me as always is my good friend Chris Kaminsky. Chris, how you doing? Baby, baby, baby! It's here, it's here, it's here. I'm so excited. We're going to get our game on. I'm all set to record all this shit. Oh, it's good. How are yeah. you doing, Patty? Oh, I'm just like, you know, I'm like waiting for the World Cup. I'm like, oh, my God, 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 oh, my God. So, yeah, I'm uh, just a little bit excited myself. Um, as always, we are a beer drinking, a beer beer fan podcast. I tonight have Captain Lawrence Brewing Company Sunblock, which is from Elmsford, New York. Uh, Chris is going uh, a little classy tonight with the Woodserve Reserve Bourbon, huh? How about that, Chris? That's uh, nice stuff, baby. Yeah. And Jason is keeping it real. This Maryland-style uh, Heavy Seas Peg Leg Imperial Stout. As always, feel free to send in your own yellow and red cards after you listen to the show and let us know what you think we may have screwed up on. So, can we all calm down just a little bit now, right? It's time to chill out, right, about how this team is doing? Yeah, it's time to chill out, but... I mean, the, the the team has landed in Brazil. They, it's time, man. It's game time. It is game time. They are indeed in Brazil. But uh, in case, unless you're living under the soccer rock, the U.S. finished out their send-off series with a 2-1 win against Nigeria in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, the It was for the first time they actually looked like they put in a complete performance. And part of that is because, in my opinion, they played a bit more defensively and didn't leave all that space. Uh, while the formation was listed as a 4-2-3-1, it's been described as a 4-3-2-1, uh, the di- another version of the diamond. But um, starting in that game was Tim Howard and keeper, Fabian Johnson on the right, Cameron and Beasley in the middle, Beasley in the left, Beckerman and Jones at the central defensive midfielder, Bedoya Bradley and Dempsey on uh, the attacking uh Midfield and Josie Altidore up top. Uh, Chris, I like that that Beckerman was able to stay home and Jones was able to be a little bit more of a rover and that protected that back line. Uh, what'd you, what'd you see? What'd you like about this game? Uh, do we really have to say that we like Beckerman? Do we really? I think you do. No, I think no, you have to admit no, it. No. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> The great thing is that Jason already knew it was coming, so I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was. I thought things worked a little bit better in terms of obviously defensively, it was a better performance. Uh, possession, I thought, was uh, pretty good, even though it wasn't bad in the other games. It's just it felt like it had a little momentum, mm-hmm. uh, even with you know. Uh, I mean, Bedoya and Dempsey were able to get wide a little bit. Um, and I thought that lended to some really good, um, you know, stretching of the field, some little pockets that people could run in. And, of course, uh, what we've been waiting for, for for months and months and months, you know, took one goal, which really was a tap in the first goal for Altador, um, for him to get going. Because that second goal, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a striker's goal right there. I mean, that's a goal that we expect him to be making. Um, but – we were a little bit surprised to see um, in the moment. But if that's the Josie we have going forward, holla! (laughs) 
Yeah, I 100% agree. I think that first goal was what he needed to get untracked. Um, it was, you know, it was a very simple uh, connection there. But obviously, that second goal was all class. That was a confident strikers goal. You got to be excited about that. Um, you know, more to your points, I think it was just it was the first game out of this send-off season where there was never a moment where you, they looked they looked to dominate the team the entire time. There, there was no moment there where you'd be like. Uh, man, if they had screwed up here, they could have lost the game. If they had screwed up there, they could have lost the game. Uh, it was the most complete match they put together. And um, you can't, yeah, you can't complain. you got to be excited going into this match, especially considering how uh, some of the, well, at least one of the other group <laughs> G opponents looks right now. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, we have to... I mean, I know it's good to kind of look at our other opponents in Group G and how they're performing and whatnot, but we, at the end of the day, we can only worry about ourselves. The biggest question that we all had was, uh, you know, in terms outside of, you know, uh, how we'd fare without Donovan was, you know, could Alstor get going? Uh, if this is, you know, truly his, you know, first step toward, you know, becoming the, the deadly Alstor we, we were hoping for, uh, then, you know, we're, we're doing pretty good. We got through all these games healthy. Uh, it seems like the team's, you know, well put together. It seems like there's a, a good understanding between the players. Everyone seems to know their role, even though the formation's changed uh, changed around a little bit. So, hell, I think it, there's some uh, some good stuff going. I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about Bradley being that, that number 10 again. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. But the most part, uh, I, I did like what we did. No, it was. It was, a, it was overall an impressive match. Um, really not much you can complain about. I mean, I suppose you could say Omer Gonzalez still does not look ready for this, um, for the World Cup. Uh, and it would be a bit worrisome if he had just play any minutes, for, uh, meaningful minutes for the team. Um, other than that, overall solid. Uh, your boy Beckerman, he had one heck of a game. Jones. Ow! No! <laughs> There's really not much to complain no, about. No, God, please, no! No! <laughs> no! <laughs> oh, man. Um, so another milestone about this game, Tim Howard's 100th cap. Yeah, good stuff. Right. That kind of stuck up on us, didn't it? I don't I, I don't remember knowing that that was going to be his 100th cap, but it's a good milestone. Uh, and, heck, I mean, he's been... Uh, it's nice that we never have to talk about Tim Howard, right? Oh yeah, fantastic. I mean, it's the thing we never we never have to worry about is how Howard's playing, his form, anything. We never talk about Howard, and that's like the best compliment you could pay the guy. Oh, absolutely. No, he's 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 fantastic, fantastic player there in the uh, in the back, and uh, it's the one thing about that we never had in all between Azerbaijan, Turkey, and now this, we never had to worry about Tim Howard's ability. Um. Not much else really to uh, overanalyze about this match. I mean, overall, a quality match. Uh, Tim, uh, Jurgen Klinsmann looking maybe a bit the part, the genius, saying that formations didn't really matter anymore. Um, yeah, it's a, this is this is the game that should make U.S. fans now more confident going into the group of death. Should it though? Should it? Of course it should. Are we talking ourselves into, you know, little I mean, is this a situation where, you know, we, we see the girl, we like the girl, we think we're thinking about the girl all the time, but the girl doesn't like us. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, then she smiles at us and she's just being nice. 
but we think like, oh, or it's like the the Dumb and Dumber scenario, you know. <laughs> so, are you say, what what kind of chance is there that a girl like you and a guy like me can get together? Is it one in a thousand? More like one in a million. So, so you're, you're saying there's, there's a chance. <laughs> I mean, that's just my. I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm just saying, are we are we talking ourselves into something? Because uh, you know, segment coming down the line, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the odds uh, against us in the World Cup, betting on those. But uh, you know, it, it's still a tough, 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 tough group. So I don't know if we're just drinking our own Kool Aid or not. Well, let's take a look at the group G, other group G opponents. Um, Ghana tonight faced off against South Korea and ended up trouncing them four to nothing down in Miami. Uh, their next match is against us in uh, in the group G opener next Monday night. Uh, Portugal, uh, they won against Mexico, but if you were like me and you watched that game. They did not look impressive whatsoever. In fact, I think Mexico was the dominant team most of the night. They just could not finish for the life of them. Um, of course, Portugal without Cristiano Ronaldo in that match, who is back training with the team. Germany with a 6-1 throttling of Armenia. Um, you know, it took them a while to get going, but they eventually unloaded in the second half, though. However, the big news of that is losing midfielder Marco Roos for the entire World Cup. A big blow. But he was also off the field before they scored all those goals, so. Um, so overall, uh, you know, Ghana beat a decent World Cup bound opponent, a uh, team that the United States beat, uh, in February to nothing. Uh, Portugal, I mean, I was, I watched most of the game. I was not impressed. And then Germany, finally looking like Germany. Um, is there anything you can take away from these matches or what do you think? Well, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to watch any of them other than highlights. So, I mean, that, that's only, you know, as you know, paints part of the picture. But, uh, like I say, we got to worry about our business. Uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, Ghana looking good, <laughs> like they're rounding into form. That's a little concerning. Um, you know, Portugal, it doesn't tell us anything because they're, you know, they're on the shoulders of Ronaldo when they're doing well. So we'll just have to wait to see how he uh, comes back and if he comes back in good form. And, you know, Germany's Germany. We all know that they're uh, among the favorites to win the World Cup. They're that way for a reason. They're my pick to win the World Cup. And, uh, I mean, Armenia is nothing. Armenia is nothing. But, you know, Germany is showing that they can get the job done in spite of injuries and setbacks and everything. So I would, I would still be worried about them. Yeah. Why is Mexico, sorry, not related to group G at all. Why is Mexico looking so good all of a sudden? Well, they lost their last two matches, but they look like they're dangerous. They look dangerous. Yeah. But yeah, again, I'm going to put that more on Portugal, not being everything. Everyone thinks they are them more than on Mexico. Maybe that's just me being a homer, but anti <laughs> Mexico, but I'm not gonna give them that much credit. Okay. Yeah. Are they gonna uh, get out of their Ah that is a good question. Um Mexico facing Brazil, Croatia, and Cameroon. Oh, that's gonna be a tough uh, I don't know. See, I don't think they will. I'm gonna say yes. I'm going to say yes, because I just, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about we're like, yes, Chris Naden. But um, I, I just, you know, again, I'm going to stick with the tried and true European countries just don't do well in this World Cup. So I, I don't think Croatia is going to handle the Brazilian heat well. And uh, you'll see um, Mexico overtake Croatia. And Cameroon, uh, yeah, I, I don't see them 
making a, a run either. Yeah, you know, one thing that's interesting to me is is when you look at uh, historically the World Cup, only one European team has won a World Cup outside of Europe, mm-hmm. uh, and that was last World Cup in South Africa, uh, yeah. Spain winning it. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm not sure that, that we're going to see anything terribly special from no. European teams. Uh, South American teams do really well. Uh, in the World Cup, but that's just conventional, convention, conventional, conventional wisdom. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, and it's you know those rules are uh, made to be proven wrong more than anything. Yeah. Mm, absolutely, that's true. Well, I think that's everything on um, the week that had uh, coming up. We will talk with our very special Vegas expert. Chris Naden, who will walk you through the gambling of this World Cup. You're listening to the Yanks Go Marching Podcast. Go Marching Podcast. Uh, tonight we have our very first uh, guest for the show. We have Chris Naden, who is our resident Vegas expert. Uh, he's going to give us a little bit of the rundown of the odds for this World Cup. Chris, how you doing? Very well, sir. Yourself? Uh, not bad. Thanks, Pat. Cool. Hey, thanks for coming on, uh, Chris. Uh, thanks, Chris. Chris. The guy, uh, Chris and Chris. Uh, I, I know Chris from college. We used to write uh, competing opinions about all things sports in our uh, college newspaper, The Troubadour. Uh, and so really happy to have him back on the schedule. He is known to me as that degenerate gambler who just can't uh, can't quite seem to control himself. But uh, happy to have him on the show and to uh, give us a little bit of insight into this crazy um, betting that's taking place uh, on, on the World Cup and some pretty interesting lines going on. Uh, first of all, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the outright win odds. Uh, Brazil's obviously topping those odds at uh, eleven to four, uh, but Argentina looking good at four to one, Spain six to one, as well as Germany. And then it goes down from there. Uh, Nomo, can you tell us a little bit about first, uh, Chris? A little bit about uh, we call him Nomo back in school. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, you know some of those odds and and how people you know purely assuming betting's legal. Um, how people might want to bet those odds to best, uh, you know, come out ahead in this World Cup. Well, <clears throat> purely assuming your betting's legal, and and by that I, I do mean Vegas. Um, I, I should give a little background about soccer betting for folks who have never bet on soccer, uh, especially in the United States. Uh, about three months ago, on the Behind the Bets podcast that Chad Millman does on ESPN, and he was talking with Bob Scucci, and he asked, and Chad asked Bob, "Did you think?" Did you get a lot of World Cup betting last time? And Scucci made the point that they get as much action on the World Cup, the entire World Cup, and and this was when he was at Stardust, the entire World Cup as for one divisional NFL playoff game. So, so while there's not a whole lot of action, there is some take on this, and people get more excited when you get into the knockout round. I found... Soccer to be boring as heck, lame, derivative, and all the other great adjectives Americans 
used to use for it until about 2010 when I realized you could watch it all day, every day, because there's always a soccer game on everywhere, and there's always some sort of action to be had. Soccer is beloved by the world for betting for two reasons. Number one, it's relatively stable to bet because it's got a goalkeeper, much like much like hockey can be somewhat, you can factor in uh, some kind of saber metrics. They do it with soccer pretty well too. But because it's got a goalkeeper, it stays stable. You don't have insane games. You don't have insane 11 to 3 games like you do in baseball, which totally ruin people. So lots of people like betting soccer. Second of all, soccer is a very trendy sport. There are several leagues that are very defense-oriented, several leagues that are very offense-oriented, several teams that just park the bus uh, when they play. Like, for instance, Stoke City in the English Premier League. They have a habit of playing nine guys back. And, they, and, and their striker is 6'10", and he, they, all they do is kick corners to him, and he, they try to head it in. They never concede anything. And by concede, that's the fancy Euro term for give up goals. <laughs> they, they were especially tough again this year, and it was just like at home. And you can make a certain amount of money if you know what trend to look for. For instance, when you look at the professional league in Argentina, uh, a lot of odds makers last year had to drop their over-unders from 2.5 to 2 because they were just getting reamed on the unders because all the good offensive players in Argentina go and play in Europe, like Messi goes and plays in Barcelona. Uh, for FC Barcelona in Spain, which is the team that I jumped on as the bandwagon in 2010 because I thought their home jersey was very pretty. I'll just, I'm just going to admit that. That's and, a very and, girl way to pick a team, Chris. And, and, as a, and as a lifelong Dodger fan, when, when you cut me open, I bleed that Dodger blue. I hate the Giants. I hate the San Francisco Giants. And I had to learn I had to hate Real Madrid as well. Much to my <laughs> chagrin, my son growing up, now he likes Real Madrid and Man U. <laughs> there has to be a way to cure him of this. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we'll talk about. Uh, uh, before you go on, I wanted to ask you one one question. I mean, has Vegas uh, locked down on a lot of these bets, especially in some obscure leagues and maybe some uh, you know other action going on out there? I mean, it seems to me like with as many as many possibilities for betting as there are out there. Vegas can't possibly have it all locked down. My last trip out there, uh, I, I put a, a little bit of money down on some Champions League action and found it actually pretty easy to find an angle uh, on a couple of those games. Is that still the case out there, or are they getting wise because of the, the uh, size of this tournament? No, that is the case, and it still is in Vegas, that you can get some pretty beneficial lines. I think they look at it a lot like they do with mid-major and small-major college basketball action. They just don't have time to set the right kind of action for the line they want. They all know that they'll get an over-under of two and a half. They all know to, to give a, you know, to give the draw to the roadside. But a lot of times they'll get these beneficial odds where on, where, where overseas, all they get is soccer action all day long and they get minimal baseball, hockey, football. Um, a, a funny thing happened. Um, I had a couple of friends that went to Vegas for the Super Bowl and everybody and their mother was in there betting Denver and of course, Denver got crushed, and you know, and and, and everybody, and, and yeah. almost almost nobody took Seattle. Ah, let me finish my story. Almost nobody took Seattle in in Vegas. I talked to another friend who knows a friend who runs one of the offshore books. All their betters had Seattle. They got wiped out. The act. Mm. So so Vegas and the National Soccer 
in soccer overseas, it doesn't quite work in tandem. It works a lot like that Super Bowl game. But also, too, um, there is a, a totally different idea about how betting in soccer works. For instance, in Finland, the league is called the Vekas Liga. Vekas is the national government agency for sports betting. They sponsor the damn league, the betting agency. All the betting is regulated, and the government gets a piece of all the action, and they all wear it on all their jerseys. That's how it works in Finland, and you should watch the European telecast. All they do is push gambling ads because it's it's a lot of fun, but the, the country uses it as a form of revenue. But it's all regulated like that, and, the, and illegal bookmaking takes on extreme penalties. So it's a different mindset all around the world except for in America, where it hasn't quite taken off the way NFL betting has. Good. Okay, so what can you tell, tell us about these uh, World Cup lines? Okay, I, I, I want to start off by... Uh, calling my stone-cold lead pipe lock. <laughs> my World Cup champion is the team with Eden Hazard on it. Yes, that's right. I have Belgium to go all the way. Wow. I have, yeah, Belgium, right. I have Belgium to come out of Group H and go through Germany. Or What do I have? I have them to go through Germany and Argentina um, and go all the way through. I think I'm going non-chalk with my bracket. I have a lot of non-favorites. I think there's going to be a lot of, of draws in the early stages. I think you're going to find a lot of late-minute goals, and I think you're going to find a lot of extra-time goals and penalty shot goals and penalty shot winners when you get to knockout. I think this is the – if you take a look at all of the injuries that, that every single nation has, it's sure. – there is – like and, – and, Oh, um, did you want to talk about Group D now? If you, no. If you, okay. No. Okay. Like for instance, I, I I go to my odds right now for Group D. I have uh, Group D to me is the toughest group. You have England, Uruguay, Costa Rica, and, and Italy. I think England and Uruguay make it out of there because I don't think Italy is going to be able to score. And part of that is reflected in the odds. Um, to for Uruguay to, uh, to qualify, they're at a minus one eighty five. For England to qualify, they're at a minus 180. Italy to qualify is a minus 250. There's not, there's, that's the closest grouping of any three teams in any of the groupings. All the other groupings, there's two teams that are coming out that you have easy, that you have better action on. All the others, you're getting, you're, you're taking a huge hit. But that, for some reason, that Group D with all the Italian and and, uh, and Uruguay injuries, uh, the odds have come down significantly for England to advance. And I and I have Uruguay and England advancing out of Group D. What do you think? Well, and that's an interesting. It's a tough one just looking at it on a face value because Costa Rica is not a pushover either, as Mexico will tell you. Um. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I mean, England, Italy, and Uruguay are all traditional World Cup powers. So uh, it's hard to, to pull uh, a name out of the hat there. I tend to think, um, you know, England, they're just not as good as they think they are. I, I think they're right now better than Italy. Uh, but would I lay money on anyone in that group? That seems like an like a unsafe bet to me if I were <laughs> – uh, on a flight to Las Vegas right now. That's not the group I would want to bet on. But it's, you know, it's an interesting it, poll. It, it, it is the group, though, with the best action. Uh, when I when I look at other groups, for instance, um, let, I mean, you look at Group B with Spain and the Netherlands, they've got Chile and Australia. The, the only way Chile gets out of that is if they can score. 
because and and part part of that is because their professional league is known for going over. Australia, yeah. they're known for going under. They'll never get a goal out of that group. Yeah. I, I I don't even think Australia can, will score in in the group stage. What do you what do you think about uh, Spain's strength and their form coming in? That's a, I mean that's an interesting question to me because everyone has them still very high because they're Spain, but that's an aging team, uh, you know, who hasn't had a ton of you know blowout success like they're used to coming into this tournament. No, that's true. It, it's it's it, but it doesn't matter. The problem is that it doesn't matter because because they are, they are in the easiest group where they have two teams that if they play any sort of defense, they advance. I got the family at the door now. <laughs> <laughs> um, real fast, uh, I want to go through a couple of other uh, uh, a couple of other matchups in the in the first round that actually have some decent action to them. Okay. Um the Ireland Portugal friendly will be a good uh and that game is tomorrow. That'll actually be a good indicator of where Portugal will be. Germany is watching that game closely. Like they were watching the Ghana South Korea game tonight and Ghana won that game for nothing. Ghana wants to make an impression in that group because they want to get out of group G. But that Portugal game, if Ireland can draw, Germany's going to look to push the same way that Ireland plays. It, because Ireland's got Ireland because because Ireland didn't qualify. Mm-hmm. So so if the and the, that's the other thing, the only way the US gets out of group G is if they can push Portugal out. Yeah. And and I guess maybe I guess that, that depends on the health of Cristiano Ronaldo and 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 to see if they can get any scoring if they don't have him. Well, I think the other, uh, I think we're going to go into more detail on Group G, but, you know, the other thing to me about that is uh, I read a story uh, earlier that said uh, estimates are, you know, science and everything, sports science, uh, says that uh, I think the number was two to three liters of water an hour um, that they would expect the athletes to lose playing in Manaus, which is the site of the Portugal game. Wow. and that, I mean, that is a huge, huge equalizer. I think if you can, if you can, you know, either score early and park the bus, or just, you know, let them run themselves out early and then just pack it in and play for the draw, um, there's a real good chance of a result just on that fact alone. Talent aside, um, Ronaldo's not—he's a—he's not going to run around a ton in the, that jungle. I wouldn't do it early in the group either. Um, Chris and Pat, before I go, um, I did want to uh, I did want to make one more pick or one more uh, one more idea for folks. Okay. Um, the MLS the last two years in the U.S. it's known as the League of Draws. They get more draws than any other league by far. There uh, three weeks ago they had five games on a Sunday. All five of them landed up in draws. <laughs> there are only two games in the first group games in the first group weekend. That are that are uh, that have better odds than four to one, and that's Colombia, Greece, and Honduras, France. All the other games are less than four to one. If you want to have value, if you're looking for a long shot, you might want to put together a round robin parlay draw, or I'm sorry, a round robin draw parlay. Take eight, take the eight different draws, and if you can get four of them, uh, then you then you uh, then you can cash out on that. Oh, that would yeah. be, that would be my long shot. Um, Otherwise, otherwise, if you want a safe play, um, I would take all unders. You're going to give up something on on a spread right now. All the almost all the unders are favored, except for 
except for wild games like uh, the Bosnia-Herzegovina-Argentina game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you've got Dzeko and you've got Messi, there's going to be some scoring there. But even that even that game is only 115 over 100 for the over. There's lots of action to the unders. In soccer, the favorites win 6 out of 10 times. You go with the trend until it ends, much like the mar- stock market. That's my picks for soccer. Thanks, Chris. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, before you before you run, uh, uh-huh. you did reference Group G. Um, there's uh, there's a few things that you know we want to look at just odds wise. Germany is a it, it obviously enormous favorite to to win that group outright at eight to fifteen. I mean that's just absurd. Portugal uh, <laughs> five to two, Ghana twelve to one, USA fourteen to one to win the group outright. Uh, uh, the, some of the other odds are really uh, are really against the United States. Is a lot of that driven by um, early thoughts on that? Are people betting heavy against the United States already, uh, and it's and it's pushing those those odds? Uh, some of you know, USA is ten to eleven to finish bottom of the table. Uh, they're six to one to lose all three games. Uh, there's a lot of really troubling numbers to look at there in terms of what the betting is. And that, like you say, that's all based on some sort of sabermetric system. So it's- I, I, I guess it's troubling to people who actually care about who's actually playing. But remember right. how you introduced me as, as that degenerate. I'm, yeah. looking at, I'm looking at numbers, and I'm looking at games, and I'm following trends. It could be Team 1, Team 2, Team 3, and Team 4 for all I care. Right, because that's how I approach it, and that's kind of how you have to in soccer. Because these these numbers aren't going to lie to everybody. the The U.S. is down there for for, and and I tell you what, Coach Klinsman, he didn't help him with his with his statement about not winning, but he didn't hurt it either. The German team is loaded. The Portuguese team is loaded. Ghana scored four tonight on on a beleaguered South Korean team, but they can put the ball in the back of the net too. It's yeah. it's not it's not a stretch to say that the field is 1-20 to 20 against the U.S. Yeah, you're only going to make 5%, but i got to tell you, that's a, it's a relatively safe bet. I wish it wasn't so. Well, then I will just brag when I get my $600 for my $5 bet that I made on the U.S. winning the World Cup. Huzzah! I hope, I hope you do, because there was some guy who posted a safety first play bet on Reddit after the Super Bowl. He put 75 bucks on safety first play and walked out of there with four grand. Oh, dude. <laughs> That made me want to walk around the block a couple times. <laughs> oh, anyway, are, generally, as a as a degenerate, you stay away from prop bets. Is there, are there any that interest you in this? Not really, because pretty much, pretty much Vegas and around the world, they won't allow you to parlay the prop bets. You have to. Um, I've seen I've seen combined Bovada prop bets, but they're taking a piece on the action. I don't think they'll. I don't think they provide very much value. Good. All right. Well, Chris, I really appreciate the time. Thanks for coming by and hanging out with us, and uh, I hope all your betting dreams come true this World Cup. I'm getting pretty excited. Thanks, Chris. Same to you. And nice talking to you again. And that was our Vegas expert, Chris Naden, giving us a fascinating rundown, actually, of the the betting odds in the World Cup. Uh, We will be back with our final segment of the Yanksville Marching Podcast. Put your flags up in the sky. Show the world where you're from. 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 Show the world where you're from
welcome back to the Yanks Go Marching Podcast. We would like to thank once again our our guest uh, Chris Naden, who had some uh, real fascinating stuff about the uh, World Cup betting uh, trends and whatnot. So uh, yeah, definitely thank you for that. Uh, and as you may have noticed, we came back from break with the official World Cup anthem by Pitbull. Huh? How about that tune, Chris? They should call him, uh, well, I don't know. I, it's a bad song. Uh, it's kind of a, I mean, that song's kind of lame, isn't it? I don't know. I, mean, I, I guess I wouldn't expect anything less, but it's yeah. not, uh, it's too hip It's not samba enough. I, you know, I want something that feels very, very Brazilian, you know? Oh, I want yeah. something to take my clothes off. <laughs> lay on a, out of a coconut. Well, if you if you look at the music video, they pretty much, uh, even though the song itself is not very Brazilian, they have plenty of Brazilian scantily clad hotties. So, um, okay, you know, I've seen the video, but yeah, yeah you know, uh, I'm gonna be tired of hearing that shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's generic. There's no doubt about it. But I'm kind of wondering, like the whole the whole the whole sexiness. How are they gonna do that for Russia and Qatar? Yeah, baby. Oh, I mean, sex, Russians are sexy as hell, dude. I don't know what you're talking about. But Qatar, yeah, but are they going to show a bunch of girls in burkas like dancing around? Shimmy, shimmy, still, shimmy, shimmy, shimmy. What are you going to have, like women dancing in turtlenecks for Russia? Look, no, yes. there's warm. Come to Russia, Russia with drink the vodka. Yeah. Russian women are freaking hot, dude. They are, I'm oh, not, some of them, not all. I'm not saying they aren't. I'm saying it's cold there. <laughs> <laughs> You don't get that sexy beach thing that we got going on. Some parts of Russia, but it's, I mean, we're not talking about, let's show some Siberians and parkas. I'm saying that's <laughs> crazy. Oh, man. Oh, well, you know what? The U.S. starts their World Cup campaign in a week, so we should probably finally get on to our... Our lead pipe locks. Oh man, we're gonna. That's the second time we use that this show. We're gonna get sued. But for the U.S. chance in the World Cup, um, first little tidbit. This is what Ian Dark had to say. That head coach Jurgen Klinsmann leads a team built around keeper Tim Howard, Michael Bradley in midfield, and striker Clint Dempsey. Who need to play above? Who need will need to play above themselves to escape from Group G. We need to do uh, that. In- Ian Dark accent, dude. You 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 kind of missed the boat on that one. You, at least a British accent. Midfield and Dempsey will need to play above themselves to escape from Group D. Much better. That was Much kind better. of I don't know what, what that was. <laughs> anyway, okay, go on. Yeah. Well, I mean, all jokes aside. Uh, it doesn't sound very much like Ian, the great Sir Ian Dark has a lot of hopes for uh, the United States' uh, ability to get out of Group G. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is he now? No, I'm kidding. Uh. <laughs> yeah. okay, let me ask you this. I mean, as an honest question. Yes. If the United States does not advance out of Group G, is there any way that this World Cup can be considered a success? Uh, success? I personally think we need to be, at this point, we had a team that went to the semifinal or the quarterfinals in 2002. I don't care who the U.S. faces. To getting out of the group is the only way a World Cup can be considered a success. I don't care that it's a group of death. Uh, I think it's a win- it's winnable. That's the thing. It is a winnable group, or at least a group that they are capable of advancing at. They're capable of advancing. Let me rephrase that. They're capable of advancing. Okay. I don't, I, zero, honestly, zero chance we win this group. 
zero. I mean, we just talked a little bit about those uh, those odds. Uh, and I'll, I'll give him one percent. One. I'll give him at least that one percent. Listen, I mean, we were you know we've only won a group once. That was last World Cup, and that yes. was because England freaking well England's goalie choked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Frankly, <laughs> uh, it's not going to happen again. There's not going to be any gifts handed to us, uh, and there certainly aren't going to be any late Landon Donovan heroics. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't think we're going to get out of it uh, as number one for sure. Now, Portugal, who knows? They could slip up, but that's the team. Uh, Chris is right. That's the team we're going to have to bump, uh, you know, to make it through there. And that's just assuming Ghana, uh, you know, doesn't. Uh, Surprise us too, because they've been a thorn in our side, as we've talked about several times. Uh, you know, again, I, I think you know we're overdue. I said at the time, I, I'm sticking to it. I'm a tired, broken record, but I think we're overdue for a win against Ghana. I, I do. Um, we absolutely have a, a tough group. I mean, for example, we have the second toughest group by FIFA rankings. Group D obviously just became one. Uh, U.S. has the toughest. Fifth tough, toughest group stage by rankings, Ghana being number one. Um, but it's possible; it's very possible they can advance out of this group. Um, as I said with it's Ghana, possible. you know, and it's possible. And I, th- I think I would even put it closer to fifty percent after watching this team against Nigeria. Oh, come on! Come on! I mean, here's the thing: I am someone who does not have faith in teams built around superstars, and that's what Portugal is. The U.S. is a team. Portugal is one player. It's one player. And this happens to them every time they get in a World Cup. They're expected to go crazy, light it up, and they always disappoint. And I think this is just going to be another example. Uh, Well, listen, I don't necessarily agree with you um, because, I mean, we we say a lot that that Portugal's a one-man squad, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But they're, you know... Alves and Contrao, uh, uh, Pereira. I mean, there's some, you know, th- there's a good solid defense. You know, Pepe is still on there, um, you know, and their their attacking is not that bad either. Uh, um, uh, Moutinho, you know, I think is is you know still got something left in the tank, uh, and you know these are you know Nani, you know, still plays for Man U even though he doesn't play a whole lot. Uh, Varela, you know, uh, plays for Porto. Uh, Postiga plays for Lazio. I mean, there's there's quality players playing in top leagues in Europe, something that we can't boast of. So I don't think it's as easy for us just to dismiss them and say, oh, they're not going to do much of anything, you know? You can't, you can't dismiss them, but come on. I mean, look at their recent results. I mean, they couldn't get a goal against Greece. They got one in... Very late against Mexico, a team that looked much better than them for the majority of their match. Uh, you know, and yeah, sure, they have a lot of players playing in on decent teams in top leagues. So what if U.S. can't boast that anymore? MLS is getting much, much better, much better. MLS is in many cases better than some of those European teams at this time. I mean, four years ago, I would have taken our guys in the in the Scandinavian leagues over MLS. This year, this year time around, not a chance. No way. Um, and then let's look at mighty Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo just for one quick second. His goal scoring rate drops off significantly when he's with the Nationals team compared to Real Madrid. 
I'm not saying he's a bad player. He still has a very nice rate. But, you know, if we can limit, eliminate, limit the rest of the team, he's not going to get his goals. He's just not. And the fact of the matter is the most impressive team that Cristiano Ronaldo ever scored against was uh, the Dutch, which he's done twice. But other than that, it's, it's, it really isn't that much. Yeah, but he is the best player in the world right now, hands down. You have to admit he's, that. He's, he is, he will be the best player on the field that day the United States takes on, takes on. But I think the United States will be the better team. Oh, I, I suppose. Well, I, listen, we will have lots of time to talk about that game because obviously we convene next week and talk about, uh, the result, uh, a week from tonight in the, uh, Ghana game and be previewing the Portugal game. So we'll have time to talk about that. Let's, I mean, let's really focus on, uh, you know, that first game against Ghana. Uh, yeah. June 6th, Monday night, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, do we have a chance? Absolutely. I, I mean, look, 4 nothing against the Republic of Korea, that's impressive, and that, that shouldn't be sniffed at. Um, but they certainly did not look like world beaters against the Netherlands uh, game before that. And I think, you know, Klinsman prepared the team perfectly by scheduling Nigeria as the final wrap-up game, and the U.S., who's a very similar team to Ghana, and uh, the U.S. looked significantly bet- very good against uh, Nigeria. So I think I'm absolutely on board. I think that uh, Ghana can be had. I think we're overdue for a win on this team. Um, I think it's going to be a win for the U.S. Uh, on uh, next Monday night. I mean, it's, it's very nice to think that way, uh, but... You know, like we've mentioned in the past, Ghana seems to always have our number, uh, and they're not pushovers either. Um, no, not uh, I don't know. Their defense has been a little sixes and sevens. Obviously, they weren't last uh, last game out, but uh, you know, Essien, he's not the same Essien he used to be when he was with Chelsea, but he's still you know a, a quality player. Um, Asamoa, Montari, good players. Um, uh, Emmanuel, a guy, a guy of mine, Badu, I can never pronounce his stupid name. Uh, <laughs> he's, uh, you know, he's a, he's a good player. Um, uh, you know, Kevin Prince Botang. I mean, that's a, that's a good quality player that can score, uh, playing up front. So, I, you know, I tend to think that at some point we're going to get their number, right? Um, but who knows if this is the year? I mean, I would be, I would not be happy with a draw. I think in this game, it's win or nothing. So that's going to have to change our mentality. We're going to have to go forward a little bit more, and that's going to expose that back line a little bit. But I, I think there's no way we can play for a draw in this game and expect to advance out of this group. No, I agree with you there. They, they have to win. It's win or nothing. Um, although then again, wouldn't that be very U.S. national team if they got a poor result against Ghana and then, say, got four four to six points out of Germany and Portugal? Um, but I, that's I would good. find that. Very U.S., but also very unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I can't imagine. I can't well, imagine that we would go out and do poorly against Ghana, and then come back the next game and play well. <laughs> but they've done it before. That's that's you know U.S. 101. They'll struggle against a uh, you know a Barbados or something like that, and then uh, you know win a game on the road against Italy. <laughs> but um, again, that's neither here nor there. Look, yes, do, does Ghana have some players playing for top teams in Europe? Absolutely. But how many times have we said it in the past and many different pundits that U.S. players just don't get a fair shake? 
Like we have players capable of playing on these teams, but because but there's that label of American that just is automatic prejudice. Um, we have, I mean, Michael Bradley. I think in this game, Michael Bradley might very well be the best player on the field, not his best position, but. That guy is pretty darn good, and he's better than he was four years ago. And uh, I, you know, it's that's the thing I think we forget when we look and we have this hero worship uh, foreign teams is that we forget how good our team actually is. And, and I think that's the case here that we finally have the players and the talent to overtake Ghana. And Ghana is just a little bit older than they were, you know, four years ago. And uh, I think we got the pieces. I, it's a very optimistic viewpoint, Patty. I, I applaud your uh, sense of optimism, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure I agree with you, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I, I, I think this is our best chance to get a good result, um, and I hope that we do, and I think we will eventually exercise those demons against Ghana, but uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just the negative Nelly in me coming out. Uh, <laughs> It's you know it's gonna be a difficult difficult road. I'm I, I'm like equal parts excited and terrified for this World Cup. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's gonna be an exciting one no matter what. I I don't think the U.S. is gonna come in here and get embarrassed um, against in Group G uh, whether they advance or not. Again, I think it's closer to fifty percent than what some others think. But you know I, I'm yeah I'm the optimist. In Klinsman, I trust. I don't know about the rest of all you crazy people, but. Um, I think it's we got a win coming up in a week. Uh, anything else uh, in regards to this game? Well, I, I, you know, there's a lot of breaking down to do. I mean, how are we going to deploy? Are we going to deploy much like we did against Nigeria? Because I'm not sure that that makes sense. And, you know, also, even though it seemed like that back line held together pretty well, do you like Johnson, Cameron, Beasley, Beasley across that back line as the starting back four? I'm fine. It's the best back line we've had, and I, and I think with your boy Kyle Beckerman, you know, shielding them, and that's what he does best. I mean, he is your typical number six, and that's what we need in front of this back line. And the fact of the matter is, you still got Jones. Also, sucks balls very well. He sucks balls very well. Oh God! Please no, no, no. <laughs> And that you know, with Beckerman sitting there, not only does it you know allow Michael Bradley to surge forward, it allows Jermaine Jones to be that box-to-box destroyer that he does so very, very well. And I think we're really we're going to win this defensive battle, and we're going to be able to count as with Josie Altidore now apparently clicking. We're going to be able to counter fine. Uh, you know, the the U.S. I they have the tools, and I I believe that yes, this this. This back line now with the proper midfield um, support in front of it is going to be just fine. Okay. Yeah. I, it, it's a, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm one way one day. I'm the other way another day. Right now, I mean, I'm, you know, we talked earlier. I was really uh, excited about our chances. But right now it's like uh, Ghana did play very well against South Korea. I mean, they're a hungry team. They're a proud team. They have a witch doctor on their side. Uh, <laughs> you know, Save zone! <laughs> Exactly. I mean, there's there's a there's a lot to be cautious about. I guess is the point. Um, so I don't I don't think it's a guaranteed Marcus win column. It's not a guarantee. Uh, I mean, look, it's not a guarantee. Ghana's obviously not going to be a pushover, but 
you know, if you're asking me who I think is going to win, then I think the United States is going to win. Yeah, and in terms of hard analysis, and you know me, I like I like it hard. My analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you do. know, I <laughs> I kind of. And the wish show has reached a new could, low. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I wish that we had had a, a little bit more uh, opportunity to see Ghana's warm-up games because uh, yeah. I really have. Because um, I'd like to break down what they're doing. Uh, they've always been a very stout team with with good speed, but fantastic midfield play, and I think that's really how you have to counter them in the midfield, uh, assuming that they're playing much the same way that we have seen them play the last two times they faced the United States. Uh, so that is my concern a little bit. Uh, I don't have concerns about Bradley Jones and Dempsey. I really don't. Um, but that back line, Bedoya, Beckerman, if they're, if they're playing, or whoever else, uh, you know, Klinsman might uh, think to throw out there in this particular game. Uh, I'm not sure that they have that they won't be a little bit rattled because we've seen, in all fairness, we've seen Beckerman get rattled. Uh, we've seen him have lapses in judgment, um, and obviously we've seen you know the back the back line all you know all along have uh, one or more players have have bad games or games where they get pulled apart a little bit. So. That would be a concern for me. It's going to be – it's the world's largest stage. How is that group going to respond, uh, not just to how Ghana deploys, but to the pressure of the moment? Yeah. Hey, look, I think they got it in them. I think they're prepared for this thing, and uh, I think you're going to see the U.S. match them player for player, especially in the midfield. I think that's our strongest suit. So. Um, okay, so yeah. what's your, uh, your score line? Scoreline, I'm going to stick with the tried and true two to one that we've been having going these last couple of games. <laughs> uh, well, it is, I'm, this is almost certainly going to earn me a uh, yellow card at a minimum, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to put it at one to one, uh, hoping for the best, preparing for the worst. I just don't want to be uh, too disappointed if we can't exact uh, revenge against the hideous, awful, evil. Uh, Witch Doctors from Ghana. All right. Well, too bad. Too bad you're a negative Nancy, but that's okay. <laughs> we still love you. <laughs> you have any special? You know what the? You know what's going to be on your beer agenda for that game? Yeah. What's what? I have to ask you. What's the quintessential American beer? I think it's Budweiser, which is terrible to say. Yeah. Uh, I hate Bud. Uh, me too. Interestingly, you know, I went to uh, uh, Dublin several years back uh, for a. European Championship game, uh, and I was in Dublin, and I went out afterwards because, uh, first of all, uh, Ireland beat Albania 2-1 uh, mm-hmm. to one on an own goal in extra time, which was fun to see. But then uh, they play Country Roads Take Me Home, which is about West Virginia, uh, after the game in Dublin. And then we go to the, I go out to the bars to, to hang out with people afterwards, and they're all drinking Bud, and it's six euro a pint. For Budweiser. I'm like, you guys are ass backwards. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that may be the quintessential American beer. I am planning on, uh, I, I want a good, nice summer beer. I don't want to tempt fake too much. I, I like a lot of those German beers in summer. Not going to happen. So I think I'm going to get like a an Odell's Easy Street Wheat and enjoy that for the. How about you? 
Well, since I know where I'm probably going to end up, which is Darby Road Pub uh, in Scottsbluff, New Jersey, I'm probably going to go with Good Try True PBR, which is pretty much everything, I, whatever I have, whenever I go there. <laughs> so, it's ridiculous. I am. I am. I am. It's sad, but true. <laughs> well, you know, as we mentioned, you know, the beers, we have our USMNC drinking game that we introduced last week, and we actually have a couple new uh, and a couple new reasons you would drink. Yeah. What, what do you have there, Chris? Yeah, so I, I think I, I really like the idea of every time they show a, a cute girl in the crowd, a wife or girlfriend, we call them wags, uh, you know, anytime they show a really hot woman in the crowd that has nothing. The thing that annoys me most, Patty, about watching soccer a lot of times, it's all the things they talk about that don't have to do with soccer. So a lot of my stuff is stuff that doesn't have to do with the game itself. So yeah. every time you show a hot Brazilian fan or a, with a painted face, a hot wife or girlfriend of a player, I think you should drink. <laughs> and I say anytime somebody clearly dives, you should drink. That's a good one. I think every time they mention the oppressive heat in Brazil, you should drink. <laughs> I think anytime you hear Pitbull's World Cup Anthem, you should drink. I think every time you hear that anthem, you should shoot yourself. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> it's going to get annoying by the end, I promise you. Uh, every time the announcers complain or report that the players are complaining about how the ball bounces funny or floats or flies a funny way, you should drink. <laughs> It's time a match is more about political unrest. You should drink. <laughs> this one's from Jason. Uh, every time they show the beach, Coca Cabana or Ipanema or whatever those beaches are, you should drink. Uh, you got any more? Um, anytime they show a crowd watching a game in another country, you should drink. <laughs> Here's a bonus one for you. Every time either Bob Lee waxes poetic about something that happened in a game or every time that Alexi Lawless scowls about something that happened in a game, you should drink. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. That's good. Well, just like last week, if you have any suggestions yourself, uh, please feel free to shoot us a tweet or an email. And uh, we're actually going to print this up for you, and you can all check it out online and play along when the U.S. Uh, features in a match. Because, I mean, if you play this every day for the World Cup, I mean, you're more than welcome to, but you might die. So, At the very least, we'll be there for your intervention. <laughs> All right. Uh, Chris, any last words? Well, uh, I am very, 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 very excited for the upcoming World Cup. Uh the, the first game is going to be uh, interesting. Brazil is going to you know, trounce in that one. Uh, and I think they're, you know, Brazil, Argentina, Germany are good favorites to win the World Cup. We've already talked about that. Uh, but uh, I'm just so excited to get this, the the party started and to watch some of these games. Uh, I record and watch everyone. So I am, I, I'm just jazz, jazz, jazz. And you know what? It's a fun thing regardless of how uh, the Yanks do. So uh, we're, you know, we're going to be pulling for them hard. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully take out Ghana, man. I want that revenge more than anything. I want you to red wedding those bitches. <laughs> Gun to your head. 
Does the U.S. get out of Group G? Uh, no. How about you? I, I say yes. But all right. Well, is there anything else, uh, or is it time? Oh, it looks like we have no cards. We're going to the World Cup clean, just Woo. like the players, Patty. <laughs> wow, that is. That is a first for this show. I guess, well, you know, we should be getting better by episode 13, huh? <laughs> so, I never yeah. thought I'd see the day you didn't pull at least a yellow patty. I know, right? I know. I'm going to kiss the ground. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> so if, you, if you have a yellow or red card for us, you can send them into us via Twitter or any of our many places you can uh, locate and connect with us. Yes. Absolutely, and those places you can connect to us, you can find us at our website, yanksgomarching.blogspot.com. You can email us at yanksgomarching at gmail.com. Facebook, facebook.com slash yanksgomarching. Twitter, at yanksgomarching. You can find myself at pmacd82. Chris, at chriskominski18. And our producer, Jason, at Dr. Stooge. Subscribe to us via iTunes, Stitcher Radio, uh, or the RSS feed, leave us a review, and you can find us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash marching. Chris, final words before the U.S. faces Ghana I in the no, 2014. I have nothing to say other than go USA, and, I, and we should sing these fine fans and listeners out with a rendition of America the Beautiful. <laughs> Maybe we'll have some. Maybe we'll play. Have something play it that so people don't run away and hate no, America after we sing it. Dump your pride. For Chris, Jason, and myself, this has been episode thirteen of the Yanksco Marching Podcast. As always, go USA, and we'll see you later. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grace.